morning, everyone. Okay, today's reading comes from Genesis 31, verses 1 to 13. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the Lord of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, we're going to continue on in Genesis, obviously. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, once again, there's a large chunk of scripture, but this morning, yeah, we're not going to get too deep into too much, but I think there's a good message uh, for us all. So let's pray and, uh, and let's have a look at this passage. Father God, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the confidence we come to it. Thank you that uh, we come knowing that you are speaking to us. Lord, I do pray for those who need encouragement, that you give them encouragement today. Uh, for those who need rebuke, that you uh, give us rebuke today, Lord. For those who just need to be woken up a bit, Father, I pray that you wake us up a bit. Father God, just be powerful in your word so that we can be powerful in our lives for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whether it's the Hawkesbury show, whether it's uh, the Penrith show, do we have a Blue Mountain show? No, we don't, do we? Isn't that a blight on our character? Whether it's the Blue Mountains show that doesn't exist or whether it's the Easter show, uh, there is one thing I can guarantee to you that my boys will always play at the Sideshow Alley, and I'm sure most of you have played it, and that is the Clowns. Now, I used to love playing the clowns. I probably still do love playing the clowns because I am a clown. I used to love playing the clowns and I will continue to play the clown. But no matter what happens, uh, the great thing about the clou uh, clowns is that there's always an outcome. Everyone is a winner, they say. Uh, it might be a spectacular prize. Uh, I've never seen anyone win it, but those big ones that are hanging... Or it might be that moulded bit of rubbish that as soon as you open the packet is going to break no matter what they've moulded it into. 
See, for those of you who live a practical life and have never enjoyed the clowns because you can buy the rubbish prize for more than what uh, you pay to play the clowns, let me explain how it works. You get a certain number. Is there anyone here who hasn't played the clowns? Oh, wow, okay. Wow, practical accountants. All right, so... Um, so, <laughs> so so you've got this clown, okay, and its head moves like this. And you put a ball into its head, into its mouth, and it goes down and it comes out a tube down the bottom into like a box. And there's six uh, slots that the ping pong ball can bounce into, uh, numbered one to six. Well, that's, that's the ones I've played anyway. Um, now, the idea is that uh, you get... You add all your five balls up at the end. You get about five balls usually. You add them all up at the end, uh, and that's what determines what prize you get. And the bigger the prizes are usually five or 30, meaning you have to get every ball into the one or every ball into the six. And if you hadn't worked that out, that's exactly every single time. And the odds are really against you. Uh, the thing is, though, after a few attempts, you think that, hey, look, I can... I can kind of, I've put it in while the head's over here and this tube's moving as well at the same. Last time I put it here and I got a four, so this time I'll put it here and I must get a one or a two or whatever it is that I need. The problem with clowns is that between the hole in the mouth and the tube at the bottom, you don't know what's going to happen. You put that ball in and you hear it rattling around everywhere and it makes its way and finally you hear it going da, 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 and it, it finds the tube and then it comes out. So no matter how much your timing feels perfect, no matter how much you want to get that ball into uh, that certain slot, you don't really know where it's going to come out and end up, which slot. So in the end, you can have the perfect timing uh, based on the last ball you put in and it will come out in a completely different place. Have you ever felt like your life is like playing the clowns? You do everything you can to get the timing right, but the result pops out completely different to what you had planned. Perhaps it's your finances. You had planned on a, a wealth management plan for your retirement and how it looks now is completely different to what you had planned. Perhaps you have millions of dollars, more than you expected because you rode that economic boom uh, through uh, the recent years. Or perhaps you had invested in, uh, in industry which have collapsed and it's completely gone the other way. Or perhaps it's in relationships. You thought you'd done everything right in your marriage, but it hasn't gone as you expected. Or perhaps you've been married for decades, and the first time you ever dated this person, you knew that this was not going to work, and you did everything you can to resist that second date, but they persevered. And here you are, 60 years later, thinking, I couldn't imagine anyone else I want to be married to. See, perhaps uh, it's the relationship with your children. 
You raised them as much as you could, as best as you could to try to have a close bond with them. But you find yourself estranged. Or maybe you never expected to have such a strong bond with your children and you still do and with your grandchildren. Or perhaps you've become just the unpaid babysitter and that was never in your plan. Perhaps it's your career. All you wanted was to do, to do was to live your life in numbers and spreadsheets and then you end up as a pastor. See, I'm pretty sure there are billions of children and some of us sitting here who wanted to be astronauts. And here we are. See, we put the balls into the areas of our life. We put great planning, we put great timing, or perhaps you don't have any planning or timing, and then they pop out in places we never expected. That's because most of life is like the inside of those clowns. We cannot control everything. All we can do is put it in and pray. See, when life doesn't result in what we had planned or the timing is completely different to what we hoped for, how do we consider the inside of the clown of our life? How do we view that? Well, I want to put to you that the inside that we can't control and all of that isn't just a bunch of random events. It isn't just you've been lucked out. It isn't just that, you, uh, that you know, you're at the mercy of the world and you, you, you're a victim. No, I want to put it to you that while it's not your plan and your timing, it is God who's working as you see those balls bouncing all over and your life bouncing all over the place. And I think our passage has something to say about that this morning. See, despite being sent to his mother Rebecca, Rebecca's brother Laban's place for a few days while Esau cooled off, you remember? Jacob has been working for Laban, now the father of his wives, for 20 years. 20 years, seven years in order to gain Rebekah. He was deceived, had Le uh, was given Leah by deception, worked another seven years after uh, marrying Rachel a week later in order to pay off the dowry or however you want to say it for Rachel. And now another six years to build some livestock. And during those second seven years, he managed to father 11 sons and a daughter through Leah, Rachel, and their maidservants, Zilpah and Bilhah, because of the competitive feud of his, uh, for his love from his wives. Now, this is Father's Day, so I need to slip in a Father's Day uh, part of the sermon. Imagine Father's Day at their house. Okay, we can all move on. See, in chapter 30, verse 25... Uh, we're told this. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Uh, give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. See, we've come to this end of, he's had 11 sons, 
It's 20, uh, 14 years at this point, and he just wants to, he just wants to extract himself from, this, from, from his father-in-law's life. His father-in-law has been deceptive. He hasn't really looked after him well. He's managed to get him to work more. And after some toing and froing, we're told in chapter 30, verse 31, Laban says, what shall I give you? It seems like, oh, maybe he's relented and gone, okay, what do you want? But I think what he's saying here is, okay, you're complaining that you want to build your own wealth for your own family? You've worked hard for me? All right, what can I give you so that you stay? That's what he's saying. What can I give you so that you say, but ja- stay? But Jacob doesn't want his wealth tied to his father-in-law's wealth. You can see this over and over. He doesn't want a, those strings being attached. So Jacob agrees to stay and work again, watching over Laban's flocks. So 14 years turns to 20 years. And as wages for the work, and I'm sure most of you know the story, he wants every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-coloured lamb, and every speckled or spotted goat. Now, on the surface, it's a very modest request. There was only a small percentage of the flock that would have been speckled or spotted. And it wasn't uncommon to have a contract with uh, the shepherd or whatever to to have a percentage of the Uh, of the flock uh, that he had built or she had built up over time. Uh, But the speckled and spotted amounts were always a lot less than what the going rate was. So it's a very modest request. And so as a man who has nothing, Jacob's really only asking for the rejects of the flock. And uh, for, for Laban... He's thinking he's uh, found this amazing deal again. He feels like he's gone, oh, this guy must be absolutely, ridiculously silly. So he's going to work for next to nothing again. Well, Laban, in his self-centred, deceptive world, agrees. But unexpectedly and possibly deceptively, we then have, uh, we're then told... Uh, So if we go to uh, verse 34 of chapter 30, let it be as you have said, um, that same day Laban removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-coloured lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. So what he's done is he's gone, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then he's taken them all out of the flock so that they can't mate with the, the unspeckled ones. And he's actually given them to the care of his own sons, who obviously don't want, have no interest in looking after them well. And so he's deceptively done that to uh, Jacob again. And so he then puts a three-day journey between the two flocks so that they can't come back or there's no possibility uh, that Jacob's going to succeed in much way at all. But Jacob has a plan, effectively selective breeding, mixed with some folk traditions. It was thought that 
uh, whatever was in an animal's visual field would have an effect on, uh, on the birth of uh, the offspring of, of the flock. So Jacob made white stripes out of, uh, out of different uh, trees and he placed them in front of the watering troughs because they thought that if the sheep looked at that while they were mating, uh, because in, when they were on heat, it says in the passage, uh, in that time they would come to drink, uh, they would mate, um, they would be looking at these white stripes and therefore the offspring would be white. I hear some giggles. Uh, we love in our scientific world to, uh, to giggle at these things. And look, there's no, there's no foundation to say that actually works at all. But the result was Jacob's flock increased abundantly and Laban's no longer flourished. It worked. It actually worked. And as you can expect, Laban and his sons, Jacob's uncle and cousins, they were very, very unhappy. And they were not happy because effectively all the good, um, all the good breed was being bred out of Laban's flock in this method. And so Laban's wealth was diminishing and Jacob's was just exponentially growing to the point where we're told in uh, chapter 31, verses 1 and 2, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all his wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. So this is a real tense moment. Uh, first Esau, now his uncle and cousins are not too happy with Jacob's methods. Every time he puts a ball into the clown of his life, it seems to come out with all these people not liking him very much. Well, he certainly has his plans and his timings, but when it comes to chapter 20, uh, 31, we realise there's something bigger going on in all this. Okay, we learn later in verse 38 uh, that Jacob has been working for Laban 20 years. So he's been doing this for six years now. So we've suddenly skipped six years into the future and we're at the point where he's ready to leave. And so for six years, he's been breeding out Laban's flock and breeding in his own. Uh, and I'm not sure Jacob, even though he seems to want to leave here, is able to leave. Now, 20 years is a long time. If you're, say, 20 or 25, and you're now 40 or 45 uh, with 11 sons, four, effectively four wives, uh, and you're a very different man to what you were. And for 20 years living in one spot, it is very hard to extract yourself and move to another spot where you've got very little tie anymore. And I actually think Jacob keeps making these agreements to work because he's not able to leave. I think he keeps wanting to stay. It's too hard. Remember, he liked to be home. He didn't like to be in the wilderness. He didn't like all that hard stuff. He liked 
Yeah, more the, the, the routines of life. But while he talks about going home, this has become his home. But you see, what the passage is saying is God has other plans. And in verse 3, we're told this, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So you actually think Jacob doesn't like the unknown and he needed God to intervene and, 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 and tell him to go effectively. He needs a nudge and some assurance that God is going to be with him no matter what happens on that journey and no matter what happens when he gets back home. Remember, he doesn't know how Esau's feeling. He doesn't even know where Esau is. I think he's still afraid of going back. But inside uh, that clown is not ping-pong chance, uh, not knowing what's going to happen and where it's going to pop out. While we not, might not be able to see it, and while Jacob might not be able to see it, in the end, what this passage is saying is God is with him. God has been with him the whole time. And this, again, goes right back to Abraham as God works out his promises land people blessing he's now saying you have your 11 pillars tribes there'll be another one later but you've had 11 sons it's time to go back to the land i have promised and to build people to build land uh, and and to be a blessing he's got his blessing he has been a blessing and so god continues to work all this out what we now find out is Jacob tells his wives that he is leaving. Notice he gets them out to the fields. He doesn't go in because he doesn't want anyone to know about it. He brings them out, he calls for them, and he starts talking to them. But as he's talking to them, in verse 5, Jacob acknowledges that God has been with him even as he has been deceived by Laban. Now, this is a big change in his heart. He said to his wives, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wage ten times. So in verse 6, Jacob says God has not allowed Laban to harm him. And then in verse 9, he acknowledges uh, it was, wasn't putting the animals in front of the white stripes that made him uh, prosperous. But he says, God has taken away Laban's livestock and has given them to Jacob. See, what Jacob is realising is that he has tried everything and he has done everything, but in the end, his life, has been in the hands of God all along. And as readers, as we step out, we can see that this is the way God is building up his kingdom. In fact, this is the way and the line in which the Lord Jesus will eventually be born into the world. Well, then our eyes are open to the extent of God's involvement as Jacob then recounts a dream which led him to the idea of the speckled or spotted livestock. 
uh, in the dream, God says this in verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Now, one of the difficult things in Genesis is the time frames. So remember, before, as Jacob was on the way to Haran, fleeing from Esau, God revealed himself and gave him the blessing. That's 20 years ago. Like, I, what happened in my life 20 years ago, I, I have to look at photos and I, I've got no idea what was going on back then. And the thing is, God has suddenly revealed himself again. And he says, I'm the God. Remember, remember back at Bethel? Do you remember Jacob? And he has to remind him. And so here God is actively telling him, now go back to your native land. This may be and is probably the only interaction he's had with God in this way for 20 years. But at the same point, through this passage, we're told God has been the one in control of his life all that time. Now, I know a lot of us are going through a lot of things, both good and bad. But I want to put it to you that those ping-pong balls of your life are not jumping around without purpose. It's not a matter of luck or chance. But God's hand is in every one of those moments. And his hand is in every, every outcome. We put the balls in there, but I tell you, where they end up, well, they may not be according to our plans or according to our timings. For Jacob, 20 years later, it's entirely different to what he set out on. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts human plan, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, no matter where the balls are falling in your life, they are working for you, even if you can't see it. Because the good news is the sovereign Lord, the God of the universe, is in control. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this one well, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And of course, and I say this often, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who, who love him. But the next part is who have been called according to his purpose. See, we've been called according to his purpose. And he will always achieve that purpose in our life. And even when we're trying to create and to control and to manipulate the outcomes, he will ensure that those who love him have an outcome in an eternal perspective which is the best. And I know that includes pain. And I know that includes suffering. 
but he is in amongst everything. I want you never to forget that. Just to give you an illustration of how this has worked out very simply and practically in my life in the last two weeks. So the last, the, the, the second last game of my, of Ovi's soccer, I'm, I'm the coach of his soccer team. And I've had a fella helping me out most of the years. He's been a real blessing to me. But for whatever reason, I won't go into it, on the sideline, we had this conflict in, the, in one of the last games of the season. Now, it was awful. I don't even know how it happened. I don't know. What, I do know why it probably happened. But the reality is we had this conflict. And it was pretty nasty. And the parents come up after me and said, oh, you okay, and all this kind of stuff. And I went away just thinking, oh, I don't know what to do with this. This is awful. I wanted to reach out. I wanted to, but I knew I was going to inflame things. I, I, I just didn't know what to do. So two weeks later, I do my shopping. Very important for you to know. So please don't go to Woolworths at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I haven't got time to talk. I do my shopping at 9 o'clock <laughs> Tuesday night. And uh, if I start talking, they'll close. And uh, No, just kidding. If you want to find me, find me at Woolworths at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I shouldn't stream that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but last Tuesday, so the Tuesday just gone, I'm in Woolworths at 9 o'clock. I, it's great. I've got a list. I've got a spreadsheet. It's beautiful. And I, I walk around. It's all in aisle order, so I know exactly where things are. I just grab things. It takes me 20 minutes. It's beautiful. Um, if you want to pay me money, I'll do it for you. So, and, and, we'll, and I'm walking around, and I don't forget anything because it's all on my spreadsheet, okay? I've got it all numbered and everything. Anyway, don't worry. I can be fun. And, and so... Um, I was meant to get chicken breast at the deli and it was, it was a one-off and it was on my list but because it wasn't normal, I, I just kept moving around and I, I ended up almost finished and just as almost finished, I went, oh, the chicken breast. So I pushed the trolley up around the back and as I turn around the corner, guess who's standing there? This fella. We were the only two in the store, I think, and there was nowhere to hide. There was nothing that we could do. He looked at me. I looked at him. We both looked around, and we went, ah, <laughs> hi. And, but it was the most wonderful thing. We spoke and we talked, and I couldn't get chicken breast, but I was okay with that. Uh, I miss my chicken breast cut off, but we, we, we resolved everything. We hugged, and it was just the right timing. It was just beautiful. It really was. But little did I know that on Wednesday, because my kids had their book fair, the very next day, I, been in pro I was in proximity to him almost the whole time. And then on Friday was the Father's Day breakfast and we would have been in proximity the whole time. And if we had not have reconciled and had that moment, that would have been the worst week I could ever have imagined. Because I didn't know how to speak to him about after the conflict. But God orchestrated that. See, he is working 
It just is in his timing. It's in his way. And I don't want you to give up on that. Okay? And everything you're going through has purpose. Don't give up on him. He is there and everything works for your good. And I have to say that as we look at Jacob, Jacob, the deceiver, out-deceiving, the master deceiver who has deceived him, I don't think he's being deceptive in this passage, by the way. I think he's being shrewd. I think he's actually being quite shrewd and wise. I don't think he's done anything wrong. All right, but there's probably a fine line there. But God has been with him. God is working his purposes out in his life, despite where he's throwing ping-pong balls everywhere, God is there and he is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this uh, passage and thank you that you are with us and you will never leave us nor forsake us for you have plans for us, Lord, and your purposes are what are being worked out even if they don't align with ours. Father God, for those of us who are suffering and struggling through all sorts of difficulty, Lord, I I really do pray that you do have and give those moments of intervention and remind each one of us that you are here and you are active and just encourage, Lord, each and every person here who needs it. But Father God, I pray for those who perhaps are in that 20-year zone where maybe your presence isn't so tangible, maybe they don't necessarily feel that you are with them, I just pray that they will persevere, Lord, knowing that you are there and that you are active and that you do love them and that you will uh, bring about uh, the fullness of your purposes for their life, even if they can't understand Uh, what that is father as each of us put those ping ping pong balls into the clown clown's mouth in our life lord as they start rattling around and we're not sure what to do with it help us know that you are the one who is moving each and every one of those in its time and that it will come out ultimately in a resurrection where there will be no more suffering no more pain no more tears because it would have been wiped from our eyes by you yourself. So, Father, bless us now. Watch over the week ahead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.